You fought in the Clone Wars? Yes. I was once a Jedi Knight, the same as your father. Since that, one simple sentence, fans have on different levels been obsessed about thinking, what was the Clone Wars? idea of doing a animated TV series was intriguing to me because it really did allow me to broaden the, the, the canvas of what Star Wars is about. Hello and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host Charlotte. Hey everyone, I'm your other host Caitlin and welcome to this week's episode of our pre-Clone Wars, Clone Wars number two and we are so excited to be joined Again, by Mrs. Savannah Odette, who is back on Sky Talkers for the second time. And we are so excited to have you back on the show. Welcome back, Savannah. Thank you so much. I'm so freaking excited to be here today. It's crazy, Savannah, because you were our first guest ever on Sky Talkers. And now you're back. I don't think I realized at the time that I was your very first guest. And it (laughs) makes sense. I was like, who are these people? But it makes sense (laughs) because your show had just started. And now I feel like you guys are two of my biggest best friends in the Star Wars community, which is really cool. We Um, feel the same way. And I listen (laughs) to you guys every day. (laughs) So yeah, it's super exciting to be here. I know. We are, you were our very first guest and that was back in like March 2017. And we had no idea what we were doing. We panicked like a full week beforehand of like, how are we, how do we record with another person? (laughs) With a third person, it was like full on panic mode. But that was such a great episode. You were giving celebration tips on that episode because it was right before Celebration Orlando and you are like the queen of packing and organization and like con preparation. (laughs) I think I listened back to that episode recently after your three-year anniversary show, oh, God. and I realized how snobby I sounded. <laughs> I was no, like, oh, you did not that. at all. No, not like no. I did. When I was listening to it again, I was like, "Wow, this is this is really really snobby." But I'm glad that I met you guys through that. And I remember, I think I may have followed you guys on Instagram before I was on the podcast. I can't remember. I think I did because I, I was right. looking through your Instagrams. I don't know how I found you. I think one of you liked my pictures. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, of course, Instagram stalking you. And I was like, these girls are so cute and so normal. But wait, they're Star Wars fans? Like, I, I don't understand. <laughs> That's us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny but- because we're so close now. But it's crazy because like even separately of our friendship, I feel like I'm such a huge fan of yours, Savannah. Like you... Yeah such a like your your blog is amazing it -hmm. always has been amazing your podcast is so great and you're like a a business owner just like doing your thing your presence in the fandom is so positive and honest and just uh fantastic I've always loved following you and I'm so happy that you're back on Sky Talkers and that we are able to call you friends yeah now like real life I'm gonna cry please stop (laughs) (laughs) well Savannah and just like piggyback off what Charlotte was saying, Savannah is like the hardest working person I think you'll ever come across on the internet. It is insane oh what you can get done. And it, no, I'm not kidding. Like, it's true though. <laughs> Charlotte and 
I'm not like, through the them to say this guy. <laughs> through the years we're like, did you see what Savannah did just today? <laughs> and I think this is right um when we interviewed for the you for the first time, and I know we've talked about this before, but I remember tweeting you like right after we had like connected online. I was like, Oh, Savannah, like you're you're so cool. You what if you like had a video about like what's like what's in my bag but for convention? And I not kidding. Three hours later, you had this like beautiful video up on your website, and I, I had was so much time on my hands back then. Lord. I was like still in college, and I, you know, after I went to class, I was like, "Cool, I'm gonna go write a blog now." Oh man, I miss those days, but that's so yeah, funny. You guys, but are like, so look sweet. where you are now. Look at me now. I just work all the time. <laughs> you do such good work too. It's. I just love that the three of us have like been so close ever since I was on your first podcast and I get so excited when celebration comes around because I get so excited to see you guys and it's just really awesome. I think before um, being on Sky Talkers, I think I I really did have few, uh, you know, like women friends in the fandom that felt very similar to me. And then when I met you guys, I was like, oh my gosh, where have these people been my whole life? So that was really cool. Oh. Well, we're just like getting in the feels. <laughs> Real emo. <laughs> yeah. But and a really cool thing about us also is that we're into very different things in Star Wars. And I yeah. it's, I think it's one of our my favorite things about our friendship is, and you'll hear it in our Clone Wars episode picks, I, I think at least, that we like very different aspects of Star Wars, but we still have this commonality among us. Yeah. It's, great. it's, it's always amazing to me, especially when I listen to your shows, because you guys are always talking about things that I'm not even like relatively interested in, like Raylo. And I remember when all of your last Jedi discussions were going on, I, you know, at the time I particularly wasn't really into that movie, but I was still so dedicated to listening to your shows because I was so interested to hear what you had to say. And I think that's really cool because that's kind of rare in fandom. I think most people tend to surround themselves with like-minded people and we have very different opinions on Star Wars, but we're still very respectful of each other's opinions. And I think that's really cool. Totally. Yeah, it's definitely the best thing. One of the best things it. about our friendship. I don't think we've actually introed what we're going to be doing in this episode. <laughs> but uh, part of why we wanted Savannah on this particular episode is because she does have very different Star Wars interests than us. And we, all three of us, are huge Clone Wars fans, as you guys know. And we decided that in one of these episodes before the new season starts, we would kind of do a top three episodes from each of us where we'll all be picking some of our top three favorite episodes from the Clone Wars. And we thought this would be a great opportunity for Savannah to be back on the show because she does have very different Star Wars interests than Charlotte and I. I think everyone listening is probably like, I think I can pick two or three of the ones that Charlotte and Caitlin are going to pick. And if they're not listening to the Dorky Diva show, which is Savannah's podcast that she hosts with our other friend, Brian Balance, um, then I think it'll be a really fun surprise for our listeners to get to hear some of the different points of view that you have on the cloners and what you love about it, because it is uh, very different from what we usually gravitate towards. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm yeah. also scared. <laughs> and before we start, Savannah, why don't you speak a little bit to your relationship with Star Wars and how Clone Wars was kind of your entry point into the wider fandom? Yeah, so I grew up in a family that always had the original trilogy playing on our TV. Like we we had the VHSs playing constantly. And then the prequels came out and I saw those and I enjoyed them. 
Um, and the Clone Wars micro series actually was my first introduction to um, not necessarily online fandom, but I did have a group of friends in my very small town that loved the micro series. And we talked about it every time there was a new little short episode out. And then when the animated series uh, came on, by the way, I don't remember the Clone Wars movie coming out at all. Like, I don't know where I was during that time, but I don't remember it. (laughs) Um, But when the series came out, my older brother was watching it and I would watch it with him. And during the first season, honestly, like I was not super into it until the end and the beginning of season two with the introduction of Cad Bane. He really interested me and got me into the show. And then ever since then, I was just like a diehard Clone Wars fan. And that is absolutely the reason why I'm a Star Wars fan today. And the Clone Wars really introduced me to um, online fandom. I was really active on a lot of forums like back in the day when Clone Wars was still airing. And it really means a lot to me. It's I always say that Clone Wars is like the reason why I am where I am today because um, my husband and I, we met because of the Clone Wars. My very first job out of college was basically a direct link to the Clone Wars. Um, And it just means the world to me. And the fact that it's coming back, I still can't believe it. And the fact that we're only a week away, I don't don't even think I've processed it fully because it's still so shocking. Same. (laughs) Yeah, I think our... I think our dedicated like group text between the three of us really started like full steam ahead with the announcement that Clone Wars was coming back. Like the lead up to that announcement, I feel like that's when we lead up. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) The frantic lead up to that, and we're all in the group chat because none of us were there. And I feel like we, I I feel if like that is where we first started like really doing our group chat, right? Yeah, and that was was back in. 2018 and now we've had it going now for like two years and basically talk every day <laughs> it's so great <laughs> um but yeah i am i'm really excited for clone wars for this episode i i'm just i'm so glad that you're here savannah i'm glad that you're back on the show um we've been really looking forward to it so i think we are going to start into our one and only part <laughs> this episode where we will be going through our top three from all of our favorite parts of Clone Wars. Yeah. So we're going to do our top three and then we'll have an honorable mention right before we give our number one. So Caitlin, why don't you go first? Okay. All right. So the very first one that I have is, I think, again, I know that longtime listeners of Sky Talkers have probably already picked half of our favorites, <laughs> Charlotte, because we talk about them all the time. But I, I thought I would throw in a little bit of a wild card here at the bottom of my top three. And it's one that I recently rewatched. And it is the Holocron heist arc from season two, the very beginning of season two of Clone Wars. And it's episodes one through three. And this whole arc of episodes is basically it's when Cad Bane sneaks into the Jedi Temple to steal a holocron that has all of the basically force sensitive babies' names on them, and he's gonna give it to Palpatine, who in turn is gonna kidnap all these force sensitive babies, brainwash them, and turn them into like like a brainwashed force sensitive army. And I'm sorry, have we all seen the Mandalorian? <laughs> 
Right? <laughs> it's it is so crazy when you consider this episode and this episode arc and you put it in into light of what was happening with Baby Yoda in The Mandalorian and whether or not these two things are linked. Oh, they're definitely linked. <laughs> I mean, there's this there's this really in the very last episode of the arc, there's this really chilling like they they've Cadmine has kidnapped this this child, this fourth sensitive child, and he takes them to this facility where this hologram of this hunting Palpatine is kind of walking around the baby and it looks very much like what happens to baby Yoda in the Mandalorian. And I was shook. It was chilling because I, I haven't watched this series of episodes in a really long time. Um, usually like season one and season two of Clone Wars, you know, they're season one in particular, they're still kind of finding their rhythm. And like Savannah said earlier, you know, it wasn't, it didn't grip you immediately. Right. But this, I feel like it really hit its stride, like it's beginning to, and these front episodes. And again, like watching it in retrospect of the Mandalorian and everything that we know about Palpatine and the Jedi now, it's just, you're like, oh my God, how did I not see all these pieces falling into place? <laughs> and this episode is also great because we get to see a lot of the Jedi archives, <laughs> which you all know. I love the Jedi archives <laughs> and learning about them. And there are so many, it's just, it's so fascinating the way that the Clone Wars has kind of set this backdrop of the Jedi and how they are slowly but surely like falling apart. Like even the Holocron vault itself, it has like a special, like you have to be, you can only be on the council to use it. Number one, like to go into the Holocron vault, you have to be a Jedi master on the Jedi council, which is crazy because then when you think about like Dooku Jedi lost, there's more of all of this like forbidden knowledge that's underneath the Jedi temple too. So they're restricting all access to very specific pieces of information, which is always kind of a bit of a red flag <laughs> whenever you're restri restricting people's access to information, I think. And then just the fact that like what we see later on in like Rebels, right, with Ezra and Maul when they're like in Sith temples and even in older Jedi temples, a lot of these like sacred spaces are accessed by force users using the force together. Whereas here at this juncture with the, with the Jedi Order, the Holocron Vault is basically kept behind lock and key. And you do have to be a force user to enter it, but it is more electronic. And the fact that like Cad Bane can even break into it is kind of crazy. And he's the best. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, I did really love him in this episode. And Seth Green is also in, this, in these episodes too. He's like this little bunny droid. <laughs> I love so him. Cute. He's so cute. But I really, really liked this arc for a lot of different reasons, for what it means for the Mandalorian, how we see the Jedi throughout this time period. The Ahsoka and Anakin feels are freaking so real. It's it's so good. <laughs> but this episode is great as like an early an early Ahsoka arc too, because throughout the first and second episodes in the arc, we see her repeatedly um uh, repeatedly going against Anakin and Obi-Wan's orders for her. And she keeps getting herself in hot water every time she does it and by disobeying them, basically. And in the end, she gets kidnapped by Cad Bane. And it's it's really it's really alarming to the point where like she's going to be sucked out into space and die. And then when Anakin finally rescues her and they're like running around and Anakin is the one now making a rash decision, she yells at him. It's a great scene. She goes, patience. 
master. She like catches herself yelling at her master. <laughs> and it's really satisfying. I think like I think this arc has a lot of things going for it as far as, far as the politics, the mythology and like our character beats too are all just really strong. And if you haven't watched it recently, especially now that we have the Mandalorian, you definitely should. And I'm sorry that I've monologued for like 10 minutes about this episode. <laughs> I'm just so proud that this is on your list because I said before we started recording, I actually don't have any Cad Bane episodes on my list, which is shocking. It really but is. It is. I The episodes that I picked and the arcs that I picked, I chose them because I remember having a very emotional reaction the first time I watched them. And with this particular group of episodes with Cad Bane, like, I was really impressed by him, but I hadn't been paying enough attention to season one to really understand what was going on. Mm -hmm. So it didn't have, like, I mean, obviously it had a very long-term effect on me, but at the moment it wasn't like my heartstrings were being pulled. But mm -hmm. the episodes that I ended up picking were definitely like, oh my gosh, heartstrings are being pulled. <laughs> I'm excited to hear yours. I have to say, Caitlin, something that I love about the Holocron Heist episodes, um, I you touched on this, but like the Anakin and Ahsoka, all all of those feels. I think that there's something really cool that happens anytime that Ahsoka is kind of isolated and like has to learn and grow. And this is, I think, maybe the first time I could be wrong about this that that really happens, where you know she has to, and um, where she is off by herself and then has to make decisions based on her own judgment. And I think that you see this episode reflected again in the end when in the Ahsoka Leaves arc. It is kind of reflected back about this whole idea of trust and like access also, who has access to the temple. And I think that there's like this interesting parallel that happens um, with like the bombing of the Jedi Temple and then them breaking in yeah 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 exactly i think it, it's it's crazy to me when i was re-watching it just like you're so right charlotte about how cad bane and the like seth green droid and someone else too uh the shapeshifter they're all inside the jedi temple literally the highest concentration of the most powerful force users and they can't find them because that's how clouded they are. And again, I feel like a lot of the episodes I picked, like this arc and the, the next, my number two arc, they really are like watching them retrospectively now that we have so much more Star Wars, you just like it still works so well. And you just you see things in a totally different light. And watching this whole thing, I was like, how insane is that? That literally Yoda is there. They know that someone has broken in, but they can't find them. Like they can't within eat, like, their own temple. within their own temple when when they can sense emotions and like force capabilities in others, they can't find them. It blows my mind. Yeah, I think it just really speaks to where the Jedi are during this time in the Clone Wars. They're just so clouded, so um, they really cannot see what's happening literally right in front of their nose. So sad. It is. <laughs> I think the best part about this episode, though, is when Kato Parasiti takes on Joe Costa's appearance and then yes. fights with Ahsoka. It's like, yes, so cool. It's so funny. Joe I think it's. I think it's great too that they introduce another Claudite because 
you know, I think at this time, Zam was the only other one that we had seen. Mm-hmm. And I wish we saw them more in Star Wars because I think they can be so, like, manipulative um, since they can change their appearance. And the fact that they introduced this new character and then had her fight Ahsoka as Jocasta knew was just crazy. It's kind of nuts that there isn't more Claudites in Star Wars because it seems like it is so ripe for storytelling potential. The fact that you can kind of shapeshift into anything, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, it's so cool. and. You're right. I think this is only the second one we've ever seen. It's so interesting. But I hopefully in the future we'll get to see more of them. I would love to see Claudites in live action. I think that'd be super cool. Whoa. Yeah, yeah that would be great. <laughs> Mandalorian. <laughs> yeah. I wonder almost if it's like it's too easy to make yeah. a heist with a with a Claudite because they can shapeshift. You definitely mm-hmm. have to do something really different than what we've seen them do so far. And it, like the the attack of the clones, like Sam Wessel and um the what was her name again? Uh Kato Parasiti. K- Kato Parasiti. Uh like Parasite, huh? Um in <laughs> This up in the Holocron heist arc, which include which also includes the episodes Cargo of Doom, which is a great name, by the way, and <laughs> Children of the Forest. Cargo of Doom has like the action piece too of the clones when they're like all floating when they don't have gravity anymore, like against the battle droids. It's really fun. It's a really good like action scene. Anyway, but the the Claudites like they are doing different things, which is which is good that it wasn't like another bounty chase like we saw in Attack of the Clones. Uh, because you're right, Savannah, like having it be Jocasta new is just it's really so crazy, su- surprising. <laughs> We're all yeah. like, oh, Jocasta new has moves. <laughs> she can move. She can move. Librarian, and I think it's interesting. Like, if someone who hasn't seen the Clone Wars were to see a picture of Jocasta fighting Ahsoka out of context, like, what would they (laughs) think of that? So true. Yeah, that would be. What would they think of it? Like, caption this. Wrong answers only. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so since we're saving Savannah for last, we're gonna let Charlotte go next. So, Charlotte, what's your first one? Okay, well, my third. Third, I'm sorry. Yes. We're counting back. So my third choice is Heroes on Both Sides. Um, <laughs> this is generally be- because, well, I think it's a good episode. I think I like more of what the episode does within the Clone Wars rather than the episode itself, if that makes sense. This is the episode where Ahsoka kind of witnesses... Um, this stalemate between the Separatists and the Senate. And uh, Ahsoka comes out of this this conversation, this uh, this debate in the Senate, and she's like, I'm so confused. I don't understand anything about politics. And Padme and Anakin are there, are there, and Anakin tries to basically, honestly, mansplain politics to Ahsoka. And Ahsoka's like, I still don't understand. And uh, Padme's like, all right, well, I'll take you under my wing and I'll show you. Which, it's always great when you get a Padme and Ahsoka episode. They were some of my favorites. And I think this could possibly be the first one. This is in season three. Um, Anytime that... It's just a really good dynamic, honestly. Because both of them know Anakin on totally different levels. And seeing what... Yes. Seeing what... (laughs) Bit of an understatement. (laughs) Yeah. Seeing what they have to... Like, there's a a quote in this episode that's really great. um, That's... 
you know, you and Master Skywalker have a lot in common, a lot more in common than you may think. And Padme's like, uh, right. It's it's great. <laughs> um, but this episode introduces Lux and Mina Monteri and has Padme kind of use Ahsoka to smuggle herself into like separatist territory, which is really interesting because Padme lets on that there's a rule in the Senate that they're not allowed to have any sort of negotiation between the separatists, which again, going to what I say about, I like what this episode represents more than what the context of the episode is because this episode kind of lays it all out that if our main enemy in the Clone Wars really is Palpatine, he is pulling the strings in all of this. And with, with this episode, you learn that, what they're not even allowed, like these two sides of the war aren't even allowed to negotiate. They're not even allowed to discuss anything. They have to be smuggled in by, uh, they have to use like a Jedi in order to have a single conversation that could be productive and ended up, it is productive when Padme goes there. Of course it is foiled because there's like, there's larger powers at play here, but it really does raise this whole idea of, this line that appears in the Revenge of the Sith Crawl, the, there are heroes on both sides, evil is everywhere. And what I really like about this is that I think that it's it's interesting because I think that, yes, when you watch the Clone Wars, the Separatists are the bad guys. But what the Clone Wars, the show does is make everything way more complicated than you ever even knew it was. And the prequels themselves, the movies make this conflict complicated but the shows really blow this up and so much so that Padme has a friend who is her advisor who's on the opposite side of war and even this idea I think that it can't be understated how like radical it is that this was introduced into the show and something for Padme's character who is so driven by democracy and um like truth in politics and everything. and But instead she has, she understands that there are heroes on both sides. It really does kind of um, pull back the curtain on how this war is really a sham. And for that, I just I really appreciate it. I also think that um, Ahsoka in this episode, like so often we are in the Clone Wars, we take on the, the role of Ahsoka as she's learning and growing. Um, into her surroundings and at the end of this episode Ahsoka says the politics of this war are not as black and white as I once thought they were and I really think that if this episode does anything it really kind of proves that obviously and I I, I think that often this line of thinking is perhaps compared to things like in The Last Jedi with a character like DJ, who I don't think is necessarily doing the same thing as this episode is because we're in two different time periods with The Last Jedi and The Clone Wars, where The Clone Wars really does show us that this war is a sham. And uh, this episode really kind of drives that whole thing home. Yeah, I this episode... Anyone who's been around Sky Talkers knows that we used to reference this episode probably every episode of Sky Talkers. <laughs> I think before The Last Jedi came out, this was the thing we referenced the most <laughs> yeah. for all of the reasons that you listed. I think the last thing you talked about, Charlotte, was probably the most important for you and I, uh, just about like how we're seeing a lot of this show through Ahsoka's perspective. And I think that this was the first time I, I think that – one of the first times I'll speak for myself, I won't speak for you, but I was like, whoa, 
I totally get it. <laughs> yeah. Because like I'm not the politic person, politics person when it comes to Star Wars. That's never something I paid a lot of attention to when I was first watching the show. But this episode, Heroes on Both Sides, I was totally with with Ahsoka. I, I tracked with her a hundred percent in this episode from yeah. the beginning of being like well, n- number one, none of that makes sense. I fell asleep in the debate. <laughs> number two, I don't understand what's going on. They're the bad guys. We're the good guys. And then to to see someone on the other side, and I'm so excited to talk about Lux with you, Savannah, because I know that you have oh, a very boy. different opinion of Lux <laughs> than we do. But, but we're like the three people or the two people on the internet, like who yeah. actually <laughs> truly the only two. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I don't and get I it. <laughs> it. It's really just because what Lux represents for Ahsoka's character is just so interesting to us. Yes. I Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, don't worry. We'll talk more about him. But <laughs> but I you, like following her down this whole journey, and I love Mina Bonteri. I thought she had the coolest voice ever, and her and Padme's conversations were just so enlightening. And I loved that Ahsoka was having this experience watching adults like talk about these things, but then she's also conversing with someone of her own age who's looking at her as you know as a Jedi the same way she's looking at Separatists, and she's like, "Well, <laughs> I'm not the bad guy here," and he's mm-hmm. like, "Well." I'm not the bad guy either. And she's like, well, I don't know about that, you know? And I just, I like that she's having this kind of this journey through this realization that there are heroes on both sides and that, you know, it isn't black and white. And I think that's something that Star Wars is always trying to tell us. And I think that um, this episode in particular does it so well, like you said, Charlotte, for the whole of Clone Wars, like really pointing out that, at the end of the day, none of this matters because Palpatine is in charge of both sides. So mm-hmm. they're fighting each other for no reason. And it just it adds it adds to the tragedy of it all. Yeah, I think that you brought up something that I actually forgot about, but that conversation where they're on the steps, Ahsoka and Lux. Um Lux is like, I don't are the Jedi good? Do they fight for good? And Ahsoka's like, yeah. And um he kind of lets on that he had kind of stopped believing that they fought for good. And it's interesting because, I don't know, I think our opinions of the Jedi have kind of shifted throughout the Clone Wars just because of the fact that they're so clouded, the fact that they're like brought down by all these rules and everything. And uh, when a character raises these concerns or these questions, you have to kind of stop and think like, oh, do I think that too? And I don't necessarily think that we're supposed to uh, like 100% agree with Lux because he's kind of a a character that you love or hate, I guess. <laughs> but um but I do think that he raises an interesting point and one that I hadn't heard someone say so explicitly in Star Wars just yet. Okay, let me explain myself with the whole Lux thing. Please do. <laughs> so When this episode aired and the other episodes that Lux is in with Ahsoka, I was on an all-girls Star Wars forum, all teenage Mm -hmm. girls. And, of course, everybody had someone that they wanted Ahsoka to be with romantically. And you were either Team uh, Rexoka in this forum or you were Team Luxoka. And I just thought 
Lux reminded me of Justin Bieber at the time, and I was so disgusted <laughs> by him. And the fact that's what he reminded me of, and the fact that people wanted Ahsoka to basically be with Justin Bieber in my <laughs> mind—that's what it was. But You're- since then, since then, I have seen this arc again. I still don't love him, but I definitely don't have as much hatred towards him as I used to. <laughs> But that's the backstory, okay? Like I love it. It's a I, I Star don't Wars Justin Bieber. <laughs> we ever knew that backstory. And yeah. that makes so much sense. And I'm so sad that Justin Bieber is to blame for this. <laughs> <laughs> it was like early Justin Bieber too, you know, with like the swoopy hair and everything. Okay. It Lux wasn't- does not Listen, I'm going to need to send – I'll send you a picture of Justin Bieber <laughs> in whatever year that this episode came out because I don't see it, but <laughs> – I don't know why, but that's just where my brain went at the time. And I was I love, so pro Rexoka that anything else just made me angry. Um, and I know <laughs> Rexoka is like yeah, a topic I, of dissension for people too. But I, I 100% get that. <laughs> I don't even remember how old I was when this came out. But I mean, I was definitely still a teenager. Um, and I'm just going to blame it on that. <laughs> But it's interesting. It's so interesting that to me that you guys always mention this series of episodes on your podcast because I remember when this came out, Lux, aside from the entire story, I was very disinterested in the story that was happening in this arc. And it wasn't until, you know, years later when I heard you guys talking about it on your podcast that I was like, oh, maybe I should go back and watch those. And it definitely shed like a whole new light on what was happening. And then, of course, when Saw Gerrera was brought into Rogue One and there were all those clickbait articles like, oh, an animated character is now in a live action Star Wars movie. That made me want to go back and watch him again as well. So my opinions on the Onderon arc have definitely changed over the years. And it's definitely because of you guys, which is really cool. Um, but yeah, back in the day, this was n- not my favorite set of episodes and I was definitely very anti-Lux, but it also like isn't necessarily the most exciting episode ever. So it makes sense that it, it mm-hmm. like, I think that the episode kind of parodies on that because it knows that it's not super exciting. Mm-hmm. Like that's why Ahsoka's like, I fell asleep, but I have no idea what's going on, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, but I, I think that like. Like what I said before about like I don't think this this episode is necessarily the greatest Clone Wars episode ever, but I like what it represents. So therefore, it's mm-hmm. on my list. You know, yeah. I think for me in in the Clone Wars, especially my favorite thing is obviously the clone troopers. Like I could talk about that for hours, and then I really like the scum and villainy side of what's going on. And this set of episodes for me was just not really like touching on those things. Right. So. In this season, especially, there were so many other things going on that I was very into, and this arc just kind of fell to the bottom for me, and I honestly kind of forgot about it for a little while. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. I mean, it's basically devoid of the the things that you love. (laughs) I don't think it has any of that. There's like just Rex. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I think that's so funny thinking about like when we like when we each came into this episode. You know, like you were saying, you were really pro uh, Rexoka when Lux hadn't even come into the picture yet, right? And you already had your mind set on that. So anything that looks like it's going to throw a wrench in that, of course, you're not going to like it. It makes total sense. (laughs) They're 
messing up my ship. <laughs> I know. I know. And we're like us Raylos over here. We, we get we, that. We totally understand that. <laughs> Whereas like we weren't Rexoka people, Rexoka people. And so it was like I like I totally shipped Lux and Ahsoka initially. And I still do. And it was like, oh, like, wow, what is what is this gonna bring to the table? You know, what kind of conversations are we gonna be having here? And even before like we knew that he was gonna be coming back into future episodes, I just think it was I think looking back on it now, I think it's a really clever episode. Like I said, just being able to see Ahsoka have this realization about what's going on on the other side when really like you think about what the Jedi are doing at this time, and we talked about this in our Clone Wars movie analysis about how they're just like putting 14-year-old Padawans on cargo ships and dropping them off into the middle of the war and saying, those are the bad guys. Ignite your lightsaber. Like that's kind of that's kind of insane. You know, what kind of teachings are they getting prior to that about why the Jedi, who are supposed to be keepers of the peace, are so involved in this war? And if it's just kind of this conditioning that the separatists are bad, the separatists go against everything we stand for, we're with the Republic, yada, 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 of course Ahsoka's gonna think like that, you know? And this probably is really the first time she's ever had a conversation with a separatist. And possibly someone who's her own age who's not a Jedi, who wasn't brought up in the same kind of upbringing she is. It really is like a paradigm shift, I think, for her. And it was for me as an audience member, personally. Um, and I think it's one of those things that just – it gets better with time. And and like you said, Charlotte, too, it just – it really lays the groundwork and seeds for a lot of the, the storylines that we'll continue to see later down the line in the Clone Wars. Okay. I'm really excited to hear Samantha's first one. Okay. I'm so excited. Okay. First of all, you guys are so good at expressing yourselves and explaining why you love the episodes you picked. And my thoughts are definitely going to be more disjointed and random, but here we go. So my number three pick is what I call the landing at Point Rain arc. And it's four uh, episodes in season two, and they are Landing at Point Rain, Weapons Factory, Legacy of Terror, and Brain Invaders. And I definitely have a favorite. Yeah, I definitely have a favorite episode out of this arc, and it's 100% Weapons Factory. But I love this series of episodes because... I mean, first of all, the premise is that our heroes are on Geonosis to take down a droid's factory, and so much crazy stuff happens, but... One of the best things uh, and one of the things that I really remember when this set of episodes was airing is, first of all, I was not a fan of Ahsoka Tano at all. Like, I really did not like her. And at the time, my best friend was a huge Ahsoka fan. And when these episodes were airing, we would email each other after every episode and be like, oh, what did you think? And this set of episodes really warmed me up to Ahsoka. She was extremely brave Uh, especially in Weapons Factory when she and Barriss are stuck in the catacombs and they've got like all this debris on them. Um, So I saw her mature throughout this story and it made me like her a little bit more. I still wasn't like gung-ho Ahsoka fan. And honestly, that didn't even happen until probably Rebels, which is crazy. But uh, so I love her in this series of episodes. And also you really get to see Anakin's attachment to Ahsoka versus other masters with their Padawans. And Luminara is very ready to let go of Barriss 
if that needs to happen. And she basically is telling Anakin that he needs to do that as well. He needs to let go and move on because at the time they thought that their Padawans had died possibly. And of course, Anakin didn't want to believe that and he did everything he could to get back in touch with Ahsoka. But there are just so many things and so many layers in these episodes that just continue to build throughout the entire show. And Anakin's attachment to Ahsoka is definitely one of them. But also, this is really where we see Ahsoka and Barriss form a friendship, which makes, you know, the betrayal at the end of Ahsoka's story so much more heartbreaking because you knew that these two had been through a lot together and they were very good friends and it just it makes it so heartbreaking, but it's also so good. Um, and then I also love in the last two episodes how weird it gets with Queen Karina and the brain invaders. And it's like so alien to me. And Alien's definitely one of my favorite movies of all time. And the fact that we get such weird, like creepy monster vibes in the latter part of this arc is so cool to me. Um So those are kind of the reasons why I love this arc. Like I said, very disjointed. But there are a lot of little things throughout this series of episodes that just expands on these characters. And another thing I love is that in the beginning, Anakin and Soka are so playful with each other and they're counting how many droids they've killed. And then Kiati Mundi swoops in at the end and he's like, oh, I I killed this many. And he he got more than all of them. Um, And I think that's really fun. But Oh, my God. So good. It's so good. That's so funny because I love that clip, but I could never have told you that that was in the landing on Point Rain arc. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love this too. I also love this arc because we get to know more of the clone troopers. And I love there's a good moment between Cody and Obi-Wan. And it, they basically say that Cody was not on Geonosis in episode two. And Obi-Wan's like, oh, yeah, it was a real fun time. I was tied to a pole and attacked by giant animals. And Cody was like, oh, that sounds entertaining. And I just love that like banter. <laughs> but it, it's also cool that they're like, oh, well, Cody wasn't there. And Obi-Wan's explaining what happened. But there, there are so many things that were not emotionally heavy when this arc aired, but the things that come out of these episodes are so impactful later on in the Clone Wars. But something I did want to mention was, uh, like I said, my best friend at the time was a huge Ahsoka fan and she would have like nightmares of how Ahsoka's story was going to end in the Clone Wars because we didn't know. We just all assumed that she would die. I mean, she's not in episode three, so what's going to happen? And I remember watching this episode at home and Ahsoka and Barris are, you know, in this in these catacombs, it collapses. And I was like, oh my God, Ahsoka just died and Hannah is gonna be crushed. Like I was so concerned about my best friend. And then it, obviously it, it it ended up being fine. But at the moment, I was like, oh my God, she's gone. Like this is how they decided to end her story. And it was so weird looking back on that now to know you know, we still have Ahsoka in our lives to this day is so cool. (laughs) It is so cool. I have such vivid memories of this whole arc too. Um, This, Keelan, do you remember watching Brain Invaders and getting so scared? So Keelan and I basically binged binged this uh, like season two, I think together when we were, uh, Keelan came up to my summer house in uh when i was younger um in massachusetts for in massachusetts yes for two weeks and 
we watched this all together and Brain Invader scared us so much. But this episode, if I'm right about this, is this the episode where they cut a square out of yes. the door? <laughs> where Barris cuts the square. Everyone's yes. like, what? <laughs> a perfect square. It's so great. And that's one of Dave Filoni's like, favorite things. He's, he always talks about how um, he got annoyed that Jedi always in the movies cut when they cut through a door or something they only did a circle so in this group of episodes he had barris uh do a square and it was you know it makes so much sense like you create a door (laughs) that's so funny that that's what you remember (laughs) (laughs) well while you were talking i was like oh my god this is when barris does the square so much about you (laughs) <laughs> it really does but the brain invader stuff like i remember vividly pausing it and having to like get up and leave the room because we were so scared and it's gross too like they go up their noses and then their so eyes gross. roll back oh. in their heads and it's so nasty thank you for bringing oh. it back into our headspace. i also yeah. think it's crazy how ahsoka was like I-, I think i need to kill barris and obviously she didn't but it's like okay imagine had she killed barris how different would her life be Whoa. and obviously she would have had a ton of guilt from that but think of what would have changed for her i mean like everything like i'm telling you so much stuff that happens in this arc is like so important i've yeah, yeah. I forgot that that was even an option, like that that came up in the episode. Yeah, yeah, we watched this. We watched this whole series, Charlotte, like very late at night. And Brain Invaders is the last one in the arc, so that was the latest and darkest, <laughs> literally <laughs> outside. It was just that's probably why I don't. Honestly, it's probably why I don't like horror movies. Is <laughs> probably partly Brain Invaders' fault. Um, but like, wow, Savannah, that's such a good point. I. Don't think I've ever would have thought about that, about if Ahsoka had had to make the hard decision of killing Barris, what would have happened down the line? Yeah. Maybe she and, would have died. Well, and if – I mean, I I know Ahsoka definitely would have had guilt if she had killed Barris. And how would the guilt have changed her character? I mean, she still could have – potentially left the Jedi Order if she had killed Barriss. Maybe she would have felt like she wasn't worthy of being a Jedi. I, I don't know. It makes me think so much about what could have happened. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That is a really good point. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's curious because thinking about these hard decisions that they're making and how like Ahsoka would handle it versus a character like Anakin. And I think we often see Anakin making these really hard choices throughout the Clone Wars. And they're often not the choices that I think is in like when you're looking at the bigger picture are the right choices. Like in Holocron Heist, for example, when Cad Bane has the, has the Holocron and he's, he's like, you can either save your Padawan and let me get away with the names of all of the Force children in the galaxy, the future of the Jedi Order, or you can let her die and get the holocron, what are you going to do? And he picks Ahsoka. And, you know, I think loving those characters, you're like, yeah, right call. But is it, like, the one for the many? The many for the one? And I think I think Anakin would have been okay with that decision, honestly. I think he would have, like, justified himself. But I think you're so right, Savannah, like, in thinking about how Ahsoka might have handled having to kill her friend in this instance. It would have been bad. 
It would have been bad. I think she might have made the decision, but I think she would have handled it a lot differently. But then mm-hmm. I th- I think that Anakin too, I don't know if Anakin would ever put him, like, I don't think he would have killed, like, if it was Obi-Wan, right? If the situation were with Obi-Wan and Anakin, I don't think Anakin would kill Obi-Wan. I think he would have found something else. I think he would have killed everyone else that he needed to, but mm-hmm. I don't think he would have killed Obi-Wan. And I think the same might have happened for Ahsoka, actually, in this situation, but I think she would have felt like you said, a lot of guilt. And I think it probably would have really changed her. Like in a much more visible up. <laughs> it would have. Because obviously these decisions are affecting Anakin and that's part of his fall is making these hard decisions and the people closest to him being used to manipulate him. But I still think he internalizes it and compartmentalizes it in a way that I don't think Ahsoka might have if she's putting herself in the same situation. And she kind of does at the end of the Clone Wars, right? Like when everything happens with her trial she she can't just put that away she has to like live with it now and live Mm -hmm. with what like how she sees the jedi order now and she chooses to leave whereas this like horrible thing happens and anakin still stays even though he's thought about leaving even though he has reason to both for ahsoka and padme and for himself but he still stays he pushes it down god so good. <laughs> so, Caitlin, what's your number two? Okay, my number two is we're going to revisit Lux Monteri. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and I had I, I had to pick the Onderon arc, guys. I know I've talked about the Onderon arc a ton lately, so I won't go through the whole kit and caboodle of it, but it is season, season four, episodes two through six. So Lux's mother, Mina, has been killed, and he is on Onderon basically siding with guerrilla fighters, which are Stila Guerrera and Saw Guerrera. And this is another one of those things, like I said, that coming back to it after we've seen Saw in Rogue One and in Rebels, and this is where he had his start. I think it's just – it's really – you just – you have like a whole different perspective, I think, on episodes like this. And I think that similar to Holocron Heist, I think – like the Onderon arc is also doing a lot of things on a lot of different levels. Like for me, I think it does a really good job as far as the action that's going on, as far as the way that it's discussing politics and the character moments that they're having. And when I first watched this episode, of course, as a Lux Soka person, I was like 10 for 10. Yes. <laughs> but I think it's it's so fascinating. Like I, I'll never forget Ahsoka standing there with, with Hala um, – holograms of Obi-Wan and Anakin standing next to her and Anakin sees her looking at Lux and he says like beware your feelings and Ahsoka basically confesses that she has feelings for Lux she she doesn't have a word to describe them really but she knows that they're not just like that's a guy I know you know (laughs) like it could Mm -hmm. be a crush it could be something more and Anakin basically tells her to like conceal don't feel Anakin (laughs) like he's gonna hang up here and go call his baby mama like (laughs) like the layers of it I think are so interesting like seeing Anakin and like I think he gives her pretty sage advice as far as like within the Jedi order like he's definitely falling in line with the Jedi teachings but it's so hypocritical and he doesn't bat an eye it's honestly it's it's concerning and it's also fascinating (laughs) and I think I loved seeing her her kind of grapple 
like with what she's feeling and seeing Lux be with Stila, feeling jealous of that, but knowing she shouldn't feel jealous of that because that's not the Jedi way. Why is that not the Jedi way? You know, I think it just raises a lot of questions. So I think that is really fascinating. I think, too, it's great for Ahsoka that she's in charge of this whole endeavor because the Jedi, like, can't spare the people. So, again, this is, like, a good arc for her growth, I think, really displaying that and how she's teaching things. Um, of course, seeing Saw and Stila is a really good story, too, and we really see the pieces be laid for the Saw Gerrera that we see in Rogue One and really in Rebels, too. I think... Saw just transitions between all of these different stories so well. And he goes from like a side character in this set of episodes to an antagonist in Rebels to a main character in Rogue One. I wouldn't say main main character, but he's definitely a big player. And then he has a big role in the book too, uh, Rebel Rising. And I think he just like his story is very fluid, I think. Like nothing ever feels like it doesn't match a saw in another set of stories. You know what I mean? Um, it's so surprising that saw is the character that came from the clone wars that really made the transition to live action. Mm-hmm. And I would never have guessed that from this episode, which no, I, I think it's interesting because there's been so like, it, it, I think it's really unfair that Stila dies in this episode. I totally agree. Um, and I think it's, it does sometimes it like takes me out of the episode because I'm like, wow, I hate that so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there has been a, even admitting, I think Dave has said that he was like, yeah, that was a mistake. Because even thinking that like now we've seen Saw in so many iterations, like you mentioned, imagine if it was Stila instead. I think that that would have been a little bit more powerful and given especially I think Stila is like a stronger character in this arc than Saw is. Um Maybe that's a controversial opinion, but I think she's she's definitely more likable. Like she's she's more likable. I think we're rooting for her more because we yeah. see that anger in Saw already before Stila has died. Yeah. I think any every time I watch this episode and she dies, it is shocking to me mm-hmm. every time. It's really sad. Yeah, it's, yeah, it, it's so hard because you know what she means to all of these people, and that it's Ahsoka who can't save her. And like, I think if we were like if we were thinking about Ahsoka's place in this story of like feeling jealous of Stila, but also recognizing her leadership skills and like valuing her as a person outside of her feelings for Lux, because I think that she does, and she like sees her as the leader in all of these people, like even more than Lux, and it's his mother who was the senator from Onderon. I think that, like I said, it's really layered, and her death is so hard. I can't say that I don't think... I think it makes sense in this set of episodes that it's her, the like idealist leader, because again, we're kind of in this bigger picture where nothing is supposed to go right because it's all going to fall down. And Stila is a really good leader. That being said, I think it's also unfair that we would have had a great like woman leader that could have transitioned through all these different stories. And I mourn that a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, even as I appreciate what Saw does represent throughout the rest of the series or throughout the rest of the stories that he's in. I think it's, it's a really complicated arc, I think. And it, I think it can seem really kind of, uh, 
cut and dry when you just look at the pieces of it of like, oh, Ahsoka's going to teach the people how to fight. And we've seen this in the Clone Wars previously. We've seen it in the Mandalorian. We've seen it in like so many different stories of like the warrior teaches the townspeople how to fight (laughs) and then they fight, you know, and they have like a whole training montage. But what all of these characters represent, whether it's a Jedi or a a fallen senator's son or these guerrilla fighters, like they're coming from very different places and very different perspectives. And that's part of why I really like Lux as a character. This is me on my Lux soapbox again. Oh my god, step off the soapbox. No, I need need to say this. (laughs) I think... I wish there was more of him in the Clone Wars outside of like my shipper feelings because I think he is a really compelling character of someone who was on one side of the war. Like we see him in the background of these different stories, like really struggling to find where he's supposed to be in this war once Mina isn't a part of the picture and where does he fit in? What's the best place for him? He makes a lot of wrong decisions, but I I think the audience were supposed to feel sympathy for him and want him to pick the right side. But as we we're seeing as the Clone Wars progresses is what is the right side? Like there is no good place for him because there is no good side. And I think, I think he's really compelling, like seeing him, try to make that decision and basically find his place in the galaxy when he doesn't have the kind of support system or structure that like the Jedi order gives Ahsoka, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's my luck. soapbox. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think this episode, this set of episodes is so, so good. And the last time we talked about it, I was like, I don't remember this series of episodes. And then I watched them and I was like, I remember this. So that's just uh, my story with the Clone Wars. <laughs> I, something that's really interesting about this arc though is, the fact that it's brought up that they can't provide any sort of aid to Onderon. And that's kind of why they have to train the the people of Onderon in order to fight back. And I think, again, to our larger point that I spoke about before, is that it just kind of speaks to this, like, this guise of war, of how um, there are rules in place that you can't help people who need help. And I think it's just so, like, mind-numbingly frustrating that they you you kind of you're like why can't the government that is in place in star wars to help people help people like at the end of the day and um it's it's not able to do that we're not able to have like the clones be brought out here for any um in order to help regain this like this this government that has become so corrupt on onderon um I don't know. I just think this is this arc is is quite complicated and very good, and I think super well paced too. It's a really good set of episodes. Do you guys remember what your first reaction was when the news came out that Saw was going to be in Rogue One? I had to look up who that was. <laughs> okay. No. Yes. I. I <laughs> Like, I I think that I was like, oh, I remember that, obviously, when I did. But it's not like the name was like, I was thinking about Saw Gerrera every single day. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I like, vaguely <laughs> remembered him, but, and I remembered he was from that set of episodes. But I was like, okay, who is he again? And what did yeah. he do? And why is he going to be in this new movie? Like, wh- why is that their choice? Mm-hmm. I was just exactly. curious. I'm always curious how people feel or felt about that news when it came out. Because that was a pretty big deal. I mean, I remember a lot of fan blogs and stuff were definitely talking about that. Because it was 
I believe the first time an, a character from um, animation was brought into a film. It really like opened up the imagination about what was possible. Mm-hmm. I, when I found like obviously when I did my own research and everything, I was like, oh my god, I remember that. Wow, that's crazy. I, I remember the conversation online being like. Well, where are his blue eyes? Like, Forrest Whitaker doesn't have oh blue eyes. You remember that? Yeah. <laughs> yes. And it was like, it doesn't matter. It's okay. <laughs> we, can, it doesn't, we can look past that. <laughs> We're going to be all right. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like it was really exciting that they were considering that possibility and doing that. I think I was super surprised at – I think I was super um, – like cynical about what that involvement would actually be in Rogue One. I think because I've I've always loved this arc, so I think I reckon I recognize his name right away. But I think I was very cynical to what degree he would actually be involved. I don't think I would have ever expected him to be the kind of like the kind of present character, like to have such a presence on screen that he did uh mm-hmm. and i was like wow forrest whitaker gets to watch the clone wars as like, prep <laughs> <laughs> i just thought that was i thought that was so unbelievable and i think i would have i would have really just believed up until we saw rogue one or the trailers whatever we were seeing at that time that he was just gonna be like in name only you know kind of there to pass the torch along or like a piece of information not have this like really interesting character that would go on to influence what we see in rebels and then in rebel rising too and kind of like all this back and forth so i think that was the really surprising piece of it and it was like wow like this can happen and it works i think that's that's the great thing you know for as much as it would have been really great to see stila I'm really glad that Saw's transition works as well as it does because I think it works really well. And I just wish we saw other animated characters also doing that too. Me too. It's interesting that that didn't really become a major blueprint in the movies, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it could have. Really could have. It really could have. Really could (laughs) have. Moving on. (laughs) (laughs) Sadness. Sadness on Maine. Okay, Charlotte, what is your second pick? Okay, so my second pick is, and I won't spend too much time on this because we actually have an episode all about this, but my second pick is the Yoda arc. I love the Yoda arc in season six, which like previously was called The Lost Missions on Netflix. And it ends, Clone Wars as we know it, um, with these three episodes all about Yoda's experience with the netherworld of the Force and following Qui-Gon's voice and understanding how to commune with the other side. And it is fascinating. It is Yoda's miniature hero's journey. It is beautifully animated. It asks questions about the, the living Force and the cosmic Force and really has truly like guided what I think about when I think about like there's this arc and then there's another arc that I'll probably talk about later that um, really kind of define the way that I could think about the force and what the force even means. And um, it's, it's interesting because Yoda is definitely not my favorite character, not even close to being my favorite character, but this arc, I even remember, I remember watching it on Netflix 
in my college dorm room and being like, oh my God, this arc is everything. And I can't believe they had the guts to do it because it is so crazy. Like you get get Darth Bane, like what? You get Sypha Diaz and it's all these like weird manifestations and it you you thought that Mortis was weird? No, 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 no. Yo, the Yoda arc is even weirder <laughs> than that. And yes, you can watch three whole episodes about Yoda and his like personal journey and also get this like weird um Jedi temple heaven shot. It's so <laughs> weird. <laughs> I love it so much and I can't recommend this arc enough and again, we do have a whole episode about it and analyzing it. So you can find that on our feed, but this is I I frequently return to this one. Sometimes I forget that this arc is real and not in the group of episodes that were going to be produced that were very, you know, like you kind of wondered, were they real or not? Like, where are these stories at? What's going to happen? And then you're like, oh, no, that actually happened. That was a real thing. (laughs) Very much canon. (laughs) Yes, it's It's very canon. And it's always so interesting to hear people react to these episodes for the first time. I have a friend of mine that watched them for the first time recently and he was like, um, I don't know what's going on, but I love it. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> and it's such a good set of episodes. And your um, previous Yoda series where you guys really get into this arc is just so freaking good. It's so, so, so good. Thanks, Savannah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I I think that you know, I have no idea what's going on, but I freaking love it is exactly how I feel about it. And that's how I felt too when I watched it for the first time. I also really, I'm not going to get the quote right off the top of my head, but the last quote, which I think is just so perfect. It's a perfect way to end the Clone Wars as we knew it then. Okay. So the quote is, now I know how to reach victory, not victory for the Clone Wars, but victory for all time. And I think that to me, when I heard that quote and when I still think about it, it's just perfect. To, it's a perfect way to encapsulate the end of the Clone Wars to like to have a character who's so wise to think beyond what was going on specifically in the Clone Wars, but then also ha- come out of it someone, a character who is so clouded in the dark side to have the utmost clarity of the future I think was the perfect way to cap off a whole series obviously we'll have a different way to end the series coming in the next couple months I still think that this one was really moving and I get chills anytime I think about it yeah this was definitely an arc that I didn't rewatch ever (laughs) (laughs) until we did our Yoda series and 2019 was like a big come to Jesus with my feelings of Yoda and this arc was the big piece of it and I mean, we do have a whole series on Yoda and this episode and partic- these episodes in particular. So I don't feel like we need to go into that much analysis of them here, but they are just so important. And I think the last thing you brought up, Charlotte, is something that I keep going back to when I think about these episodes, not just like the force weird side of it, but just the fact that this was the last thing that we were going to be left with for Clone Wars. And I, I know that that was very specific and... I just think it's a really interesting place to have left the series that is both hopeful but also quite ominous mm-hmm. because, again, we know what's coming down the line. Definitely. Okay. I'm excited to talk about my number two. I'm very <laughs> yes. ready. 
So it is the, what I call the mall arc of season five. So we have the episodes Eminence, Shades of Reason, and The Lawless. And whoa, I I picked this arc because looking back, I feel like this is the most cinematic storytelling in The Clone Wars. And these three episodes go together so perfectly if you watch them all back to back. It's like the best Clone Wars movie that you could possibly watch. Um, It's so beautiful. The animation in these episodes is so good. I mean, this is really, in my opinion, Clone Wars at its best. And I think a lot of people would agree with me. I think Maul is so great in these episodes. He has so much conflict, so much anger. And the fact that he teams up with the Death Watch is just something I never imagined could even happen. Um, Seeing Darth Maul fight the Emperor and the Emperor actually being the Emperor in this show was insane. And seeing the betrayal from Palpatine to Maul and Darth Maul really realizing that he is on his own. He is no longer a part of the Sith. He's no longer a part of the the group that he used to be associated with. I think that's really heartbreaking. And I don't ever feel sympathy for uh, Darth Maul ever, but I kind of feel bad for him. Uh, when I rewatched this today, I was like, oh man, that that really sucks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> really sucks. So I think my biggest highlight in this set of episodes is seeing um, Emperor Palpatine in action because that was really rare in the Clone Wars. We mostly saw him as Chancellor Palpatine and when he was being bad. It's not like we saw him fighting people. That was just something that was not happening. Um, and then the low is 100% um, Satine's death and oh my god it's so sad today when I watched it I was like actually tearing up because I just I hope they dig into this in the Kenobi series more about like Obi-Wan's loss and how Satine really loved him and we knew that he loved her back the fact that we had to watch that and we had to watch her die with our own two eyes is just (laughs) awful Um, but these three episodes are just absolutely stunning visually and the storytelling is the absolute best part of the Clone Wars and there's a lot of people in my life that have not seen the Clone Wars and their excuse is just well there's just so much you know I don't want to have to watch through all of it and I'm just like this is the one arc that you can jump into and even if you don't know the Death Watch and you don't know Satine you have Obi-Wan there you have the Emperor you have Maul and his pal you know Savage like if you know that Maul comes back you're kind of set. And I think this this set of episodes would really get people interested in the show because it's mm-hmm. so good. Um, but it's just like a total roller coaster of highs and lows. And like I said, feeling sympathy for a character that I've never felt bad for before. I don't know. Yeah. It's just so good. It really is so good. I think that The Lawless is one of the ones that is included in this, right? Yeah, that's like the best one. That's the last one. I think it might be one of the best episodes in all of the Clone Wars. Like, it is so, it's just so good. <laughs> and I think you're you're so right. I do think that we're supposed to feel a sense of sympathy for Maul, given the fact that he has, like, <laughs> crawled out of garbage and has spent his entire life on the bottom. With a spider and, butt. 
yeah, yikes, but like <laughs> <laughs> I I think that he had been basically thrown away by Palpatine and you have to feel sympathy for that because he the ultimate evil throws you away and you th- I don't know, it's just so good. And not only this in this arc, it's like I rewatched this recently and my mind was like blown. This this whole this set of episodes has Maul go from crime syndicate to crime syndicate trying to like amass allies and uh hello that's exactly solo. what he yeah like <laughs> this is that's literally solo and no one should be surprised that Maul is like the head of a crime syndicate at the end of Solo, given the fact that that's what he was doing in the Clone Wars. It's just like, oh my god, everything is perfect. How do we? <laughs> and, how do we not see these things coming a mile away? I don't know. And I just, I, I think that, uh, you're right that this is like a really good entry point, uh, set of episodes for people because, the 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 storylines it follows are like completely separate from like not completely separate but like pretty separate from the main clone wars like war front action and instead kind of drive these character motivations um i don't know i think they put like certain certain things especially obi-wan like under a microscope um I don't know. I, it's so, it's just so good. So I good. think I think it's a good entry point because if you've seen the prequels, you you love Obi Wan, you love Maul, and I think the Clone Wars kind of scares a lot of people, mostly middle aged men, <laughs> because of Ahsoka and the fact that Ahsoka's not involved in these episodes. I think is kind of good to ease you into the Clone Wars and you can see what else is going on in the show outside of her story. And obviously like she's a huge part of the show, so you need to grow to love her. But I think it's good that people could watch this and they know uh, the main hero, the main bad guy, and then the other people involved, you learn who they are. And there's a lot packed into these episodes, but I think it's also a good thing because it keeps the story moving. These are definitely not slow paced episodes at all. And it keeps the viewer like interested in what's going on. Yeah. Oh yeah. For hundred percent. Sure. I think that's such an interesting point about this being an entry point into the Clone Wars because I, I kind of look at it another way. Well, okay. Let me back up. Like with Solo, I remember thinking that, oh my God, people's entry points into Clone Wars is going to be Dathomir because if they've never seen Clone Wars, they might not know that Maul is still alive. And they're like, oh, he came back and he went to Dathomir and Dathomir is like bonkers, you know, <laughs> like there's a lot of crazy stuff happening there. But to think that this could actually be the entry point of like seeing Maul's story. And you're right, Savannah, of having like people that are are from for a lot of fans of Star Wars, like fan favorites from the prequels of Maul and Obi-Wan. But what I think is such a testament to this set of episodes and one of the fascinating things is that these are very – like what's happening with these characters is not at all a part of the conversation in the prequels, in the live action, very much like Ahsoka isn't and how that was such a big question mark of how is this going to go? Like how can Anakin have a Padawan? Like he, what she wasn't mentioned in Revenge of the Sith. That shouldn't be right. And I think we have this view of like Obi-Wan in the prequels is this like very upstanding Jedi. And to think that he had this person that he loved 
like romantically loved and lost her. And that whole story is contained within the Clone Wars. I think, and the fact that it, it's still, I think some people would might say that that's out of character for how they see him in the prequels. But then once you actually watch the episodes, it makes so much sense. And seeing them both struggle with their duty towards, like towards their their respective like politics and lives versus their love for each other, and to see it end so tragically too, it just it really is so emotional for as action pieced as it is. It is just it's gut wrenching, so sad, and the, the way they thing. light that scene. Oh my god, it's like oh it's Savannah, it's, it's horrible. <laughs> First brain invaders, it. you scare me. Now you make I'm me so sad. <laughs> The next one, I feel like my next pick is even sadder, but it might not be for you guys. Um, I think <laughs> it's uh, interesting what you just said about people like who had just seen the prequels not knowing who Satine was. And obviously after you watch the Clone Wars and you see their, I don't want to say relationship, but the way that they interact with each other. And then in episode three, when Obi-Wan says to Padme, oh, Anakin's a father, isn't he? I'm so sorry. It adds a lot of weight because you wonder, okay, is Obi-Wan thinking, obviously he's sorry because the father of her child is like a psychopath, but, you know, is he also thinking, oh my gosh, I've lost a loved one and I can't even imagine how much harder that would have been if I had a child with that person, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hate there's it. A, there's a pretty good Obi-Wan echo line in this arc too where he speaks to bo and is like, oh, you're her sister, aren't you? Um, after he just lost Satine. I think God. that's it's it's a good parallel because they're both experiencing in both those, it's like a certain sense of sense of loss, a devastation. Man. A poor man. I am sad. <laughs> um, but there's there's also the, I think also in the like bigger picture of Anakin's fall too, the fact that he witnesses Obi-Wan's like this whole thing happened with Obi-Wan and even kind of asks, you know, oh, you know, like what's going on um, before, you know, obviously before she is murdered. So like he he's reading the signs of what's going on here, but he still doesn't feel comfortable enough to at some point open up with Obi-Wan about his own relationship. And again, it's just it's one of those very layered things. And like that line you referenced in Revenge of the Sith, Savannah, it just it puts it in a whole new light and it it's so good how it all still works so well. And that's that's what I think like going through all these episodes today has just been really fun because some of these I haven't watched for a long time and some of them I watch repeatedly. But the more and more Star Wars we get, the more layered they become. And the fact that they all still work and the stories still make sense and the character beats are more complicated. They're not out of character because I think, like I said, with the Satine thing and Obi-Wan, I think that definitely could have run the risk of being considered out of character by a lot of fans. But I I don't know of anyone who thinks that about the Obi-Wan and Satine thing. And even like having Maul come back, I think a lot of people in the beginning were probably like, what? <laughs> like, cool, but spider legs? What are, what are we doing here? But then to just follow his story the whole way through, it works so well. And even like you said, Savannah, getting sympathy for him, it's just, that's... It's wild. <laughs> right? Who, who would have thought? Who would have thought? Not me. <laughs> yeah. 
it's a good it's a good sad pick that dave filoni <laughs> he knows what he's doing yes he does sad. Did they? I think they may have shown these episodes in theaters, or yes, I think they had like a they did. special screening. Yeah, they did. I went to one of them. Oh my god! I would have loved to have seen I don't, this on the big screen. I don't remember which episodes they showed though, and I it keep was, trying to think about it. I think it was, but it it, it was with Savage yeah. Savage Press, and I'm trying to remember if we even knew that Darth Maul was coming back, or if we were just supposed to be excited about Savage Press because I remember going to it and getting a shirt that had mm-hmm. Savage Press on it. And I was just, mm-hmm. I can't remember if that leaked or if you were supposed to find out at the show that Darth Maul is in, in this episode or what, because I do think that that's, that was the reveal. But I don't remember if we knew that before going into it. I right. don't think, I don't think you knew going in that he, like he was coming back. Cause I think it's Savage finding Maul, right? Yeah, I just like it's just so weird because I I think I wanted to go to it because I I was like oh my god Clone Wars in theaters, but I remember like not being super jazzed about Savage Press. <laughs> <laughs> You're like great. Yeah, like who cares? You know, I was like, who is this character? I would love it if they did something at uh, Celebration where they would screen like. 10 solid Clone Wars episodes in a theater. I would love to see some of these episodes on a giant screen. I would too. I would pay so much money for that. Somebody from Celebration, if you're listening to this, please. I will pay so much money. <laughs> please. Maybe they'll do the Siege of Mandalore. Oh my God. I- I'm hoping so hard that they do that. That would be so good. I would travel for that. Yeah. I think I we're, would too. We're already traveling. <laughs> like I bet I I wouldn't be surprised if they do it at Celebration because you know how sometimes at Celebration they've done the like the movies, yeah, that they've shown. So maybe after those episodes air, we'll just start a campaign and just beg every day for it, and then mm. we'll see what happens. That sounds we'll good. be banned from like everything, but <laughs> yeah, worth it. What a way to go out. Yeah, <laughs> worth it. Totally. Okay, so why don't you give your uh, honorable mention, Caitlin? Yes. So my honorable mention is really out of left field. And I just, I feel like you're going to be so surprised at what episode I picked. I picked season four, episode 17, The Box. What? (gasps) Caitlin, I'm so proud of you. I know. It's such a good one. I know. I actually, I... Really love this episode. I don't think I've ever talked about it on the show. Oh my god, I'm so impressed right now. <laughs> right? So I have two Cad Bane episodes. Really, I have four Cad Bane episodes wow. when we count all the arcs. Um, wow. So, I so mean. So much love for you right now. <laughs> Rico Hardeen. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like the whole Rico Hardeen arc, but I really like this episode. They have a similar episode of this like kind of box setup with Boba, it, Boba Fett and the Clone Wars too that I really like. But I just – I think this is such – I really like the tension in these kinds of episodes too where they're in like this enclosed spaces. And it then means that the, the plot has to be, you know, quote unquote outside the box because they're in this like very confined space. I think the tension always plays really well in these kinds of episodes and I love seeing – 
like how they get out of certain predicaments. I don't know. I really love the pacing of these kinds of episodes. I also think like being with Count Dooku on Sereno is really (laughs) great now that I have like this newfound love for Count Dooku. I find it really fascinating. And just the whole thing works really well for me. I for me, what I love most about it is the action of it and the tension and the pacing. And I like seeing I like seeing what this box morphs into and all these different bounty hunters. It is very out of left field for me, but I do really enjoy this episode. And similarly, the when they have a similar one with Boba. And also, I think they do kind of like this training one with Ezra at some point in Rebels, too when he's like training in the first order as like a disguise. But I like these kind of almost like arena episodes. You know what I mean? I think they're really fun. The best part of that episode is when Count Dooku is introducing all of the bounty hunters and he just says, Cad Bane needs no introduction. And I was like, yes, that is my man. (laughs) So good. I, I, I love this episode. I just, I actually just rewatched it. The Cad Bane content in this episode is just it's very prime, good Savannah. prime cad bane yeah there's a there's like a hat steal that happens <laughs> so freaking good it's good it I, really is the hat steal was great and then he just shoots the guy and takes his hat back oh my god yeah i very, remember very when like the preview for this episode came out the week before and i was like this is weird and then I watched it and I was like, oh, this is really fun. It was such a fun episode to watch. And it felt longer than it was just because there's so many things happening. This is a good pick, Caitlin. Man, I'm a yeah. little jealous that I didn't pick this one. Thank you. Very good. <laughs> yeah, I just I think it's I think it's really fun. And I like seeing all the different bounty hunters. Eval Morale, like on the big screen when he's like testing them. I love Moralo Eval. Oh, yes. <laughs> um. <laughs> you can't get that mix mixed up. It's too good of a name. um and count dooku just being like persnickety in the background of like who is that (laughs) he's talking about regarding he's like oh he killed obi-wan he's like oh did he (laughs) and then that arc is so good it's the the whole arc is really great but i love this episode in particular and just (laughs) i think it's so funny because it it sounds so much like james arnold taylor Like the Reiko Hardeen. I'm like, I hear you, Obi-Wan. I hear you in there. <laughs> it's a good one. It's a good one. What is your honorable mention, Charlotte? So my honorable mention is the Clovis arc in season six. You had with, to. Yeah, I had to because you know, I think people are going to be surprised that, that I picked this even though maybe not. <laughs> Nobody's surprised, Charlotte. No. <laughs> Thank you, Savannah, for keeping it real. <laughs> well, I think it's like actually people who like the Anakin and Padme relationship generally don't really like this episode. But I this whole set of episodes to me is just really great because it, you know, I think often a lot about this Dave Filoni interview where he talks about how there's a lot to be mined from the Anakin and Padme relationship and how there's just like there's so much there in terms of trust and a relationship built off of lies which is actually what gets brought up in this series of episodes and I remember being so intrigued by these just because of them finally asking the questions that everyone was kind of wondering when when they were going to ask um especially because you have you have you have a character you have two characters in Attack of the Clones one who uh is aware that their significant other 
committed mass murder um, on Tatooine. And they got married in secret and all these things. So I think that this episode series is just so freaking complicated because Padme is trying to do her job and then Anakin gets jealous and it basically ends one of the episodes ends with Padme being like basically like breaking up with Anakin and it is so crazy to witness her being like I actually don't want to spend time with you um we our relationship is built on lies and deception no relationship can survive that because you know it's true because their relationship does not survive but it is heartbreaking to see that when Anakin gets pushed too far, he like beats up Clovis and you really see the, the the Imperial March plays and you see his dark side being pushed all the way because of his jealousy and his possessiveness over Padme. And um, in the, this is a three episode arc. And in the third episode, there is this really good moment where Anakin is able, is trying to save Clovis and Padme from like this, this basically this burning building. And he has both of them dangling over a cliff and he can only really save one of them. And you obviously know that even not even knowing what happens in Revenge of the Sith or like the fact that Padme survives this, obviously, um, you know that Anakin would always choose Padme over Clovis. But in this moment, it's it's this really interesting push and pull of Anakin wanting to do the right thing, but knowing and like having to swallow his pride over the fact that he remains jealous of Clovis. And um, I just think these episodes are so fantastic. Okay, can I say mine now? I'm just so excited. <laughs> yeah, say yours. Okay, so my honorable mention is Escape from Cadavo. Oh. From season four. And this one, I literally picked this one. Uh, honestly, I love the whole set of episodes, um, The Slaves of the Republic. And I picked this because I literally lost my mind when Obi-Wan is fighting. I can't even remember his name. He's like the Zygarian guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Obi-Wan's hair moves. And you guys know oh, yes. the animation <laughs> yes. on another level this season. And the fact that his hair could move was like the biggest deal. So that's a very dumb reason to pick this episode. But aside from that, it's so good. It's such a good set of episodes because we really dive into Anakin's past as a former slave. And I love that part of Star Wars when we talk about that part of his past and we get the really great scene with Ahsoka in her like slave disguise and she's talking to Anakin and Obi-Wan and Rex in their disguises and she's like, unhand me, you brigand. <laughs> and I don't know, there's just so many great episodes in this arc. I also think it's um, very visually different from what we had seen before. So obviously we get to see our main characters in different outfits, which is always fun. But we're on a planet that we've never seen before with this species of people that look like cats i mean (laughs) they literally look like cats and uh we get to see more of ahsoka's species as well and they are all enslaved so i don't have a ton to say about these episodes but i think they are really fun to revisit it's a really good story um the wolf pack also makes an appearance at the end and that was a big deal 
uh, at the time. That was like my peak Wolfpack fandom. I was absolutely like at Wolfpack fangirl on Instagram. <laughs> and they all got to use their jetpacks when they were rescuing everyone. So that was really cool to me. But the hair moving was groundbreaking. And my brother and I legitimately screamed when this happened <laughs> because we were so excited. So dumb. No, it's not dumb. No. It is. It, we we totally understand that. And yeah. that's 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 enough of a reason. But I'm actually surprised I didn't include the Zagarian arc in my top arcs because I totally agree with you. I think it is so good. And I love that it brings up the fact that Ahsoka didn't know anything about Anakin's past as a slave yeah. and how that like really sets him off and Ahsoka still just doesn't know that part of him and I think it is so interesting and he kind of snaps like in front of her in this oh my God, yeah it was a big mm-hmm. deal yeah and I I think it's there's a this this episode series is like filled with great callbacks which I think anywhere else would kind of make me roll my eyes but I actually love the the return of the Jedi yes. um like the mm-hmm. R2 throwing the lightsaber and everything like that I, I think it is so perfect um and I'm with you. I like the the outfit change and everything. I think I this love was this one of the first times, too, that we had seen the light whips. Yeah. I, it may have been the very first time. I'm not sure. But that was still really interesting because there were a lot of different um, weapons and different technology being shown in these episodes. And I just remember that was really interesting to me when, when they first came out. Yeah. And what's interesting is that this um, episode written by Henry Gilroy – started as a comic book and was yeah. adapted. And I think this is maybe one of two times or maybe the only time that that ever happened in the Clone Wars, that it was mm-hmm. something from an existing material that had been published elsewhere was adapted into a show. And, and I always think that is so interesting. Changed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you. I think both of your honorable mentions are very good picks. Charlotte's is incredibly on brand with the Clovis art. <laughs> <laughs> I love the Zygerian arc, Savannah. I'm actually surprised you picked this one, but I'm really glad you did because I love it a lot too. And we were just talking about the Ahsoka uh, and Anakin slavery discussion in the Clone Wars movie because Mm -hmm. this is when she finds out they're on Tatooine in the very first, like their very first meeting in the Clone Wars movie. And she doesn't find out about his past until the Zygerian arc. It's -hmm. kind of crazy. And seeing, I mean, it is, this like goes back to the whole discussion of like what the Jedi are making Anakin do. Like when he has to go back to Tatooine in the Clone Wars movie against Jabba the Hutt and like save his son. That's a really hard ask. And now for him to come here and pretend to be a slaver, like even though at one point Anakin says like he wants, he like he wants to do it so he can like stop it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still, it's a really dark place to make him go to or to ask him to go to i think yeah and obi-wan is there with him and it's like obi-wan got to see him you know when he came out of slavery so that's kind of interesting for their dynamic as well but this is a really good set of episodes to revisit it's just it's it's very serious but it's also very fun in a lot of parts Mm -hmm. and you meet so many different characters and we never see some of those characters again but it's just like a really fun arc to rewatch. yeah and isn't it isn't it obi-wan who tells ahsoka about anakin's enslavement i think so yeah i think it's obi-wan and i think i remember being 
frustrated by that, that it wasn't Anakin who told her. But I also think, how could he? Like, that's just, that's a really, that's a really dark place for him. Yeah, it is a very serious episode. You're right, Savannah, but it is, it, the unhand me brigand is just so funny. And then seeing Anakin flirting with the yes. queen. And then the queen, like, loves it. She yes, she does. That up. <laughs> and yeah. there's whispering suggestive things oh, in her God. ear. Oh. <laughs> it's, a good time. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> very. I think we had a nice variety in our honorable mentions. I think that's very good. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm gonna do my number one. No one is surprised. It's the Ahsoka leaves arc. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sad again. <laughs> <laughs> Is uh, season five, episode seventeen through twenty. It's a four episode arc, actually. So, I feel like I don't really need to say anything about these arcs. Everything about them is perfect, <laughs> from the lighting, the animation, the music, the voice acting. I'm just obsessed with it. When I was rewatching it in preparation for this episode, slash my monthly rewatch of the Ahsoka Leaves episode <laughs> arcs, I was really struck by the fact that we don't actually see Ahsoka like ponder, like have time by herself to think about why she's leaving the Jedi Order. Like we don't actually see her have that realization. Like we're when we see her say, Master, I'm not coming back, we're looking at it from the perspective of Anakin. Like he's our point of view in that moment. And it's a surprise and a shock to him. And so I'm hoping in the Clone Wars season seven, we get to hear her talk about either to herself or, or Anakin or other people really kind of walk through how she came to that decision. Because I think as an audience and, and knowing her character and what's coming, we understand it, but I don't know. I realized that we don't actually see her come to that decision. She's already made it when she comes out of the trial, which I think is really interesting. I definitely think we're going to see that in season seven during the whole um, the Ahsoka walkabout uh, discussion of episodes that were I think that those are included in season seven. And I think that those are meant to be more Ahsoka introspective, understanding that she is dealing with the choice that she made. Yeah, I'm not ready. <laughs> it's um, it's so interesting thinking about this arc because, like I said, I really didn't find my love for Ahsoka until Rebels, which is so shocking to me now. Like, looking back, I can't believe that I didn't absolutely love Ahsoka in the Clone Wars. And her choice to leave the Jedi Order, like it was sad, but it definitely didn't hit me as hard as a lot of my friends that were really big Ahsoka fans. And we, you know, watched all of this at the same time. Um, But looking back now, it is like, whoa, it's so heartbreaking. And now that I've, you know, we've seen her character grow in so many different ways. We've seen her in Rebels. We've seen her in the Ahsoka book. I am so much more invested in her character now. And I understand like how hard that must have been for her to do in the Clone Wars when she decided to leave. So uh, I'm not looking forward to that in the new season. Like it's going to hurt a lot. And at the time for me, it just definitely didn't feel as serious. Man, ripped my heart out (laughs) the first time I saw it. I think I I think that's really interesting, just like your approach to Ahsoka's character of 
like watching the Clone Wars, you know, week to week and not having like her not being your favorite character. And then something further down the line is what changes your opinion of her. And then coming back to these episodes and seeing that almost like seeing them for the first time again with just a new perspective. It's so weird for me, honestly. Like I remember I watched the very last episode with two of my friends like in person and they were sobbing their eyes out. And I was just sitting there like, oh my God, what what is happening? Like I was pretty cool, calm and collected and they were absolutely having a huge emotional breakdown. Um, but yeah, I definitely grew to love her more as time went on and it's kind of I feel kind of bad that I didn't like her as much at the time but there were just so many other things in the Clone Wars that really piqued my interest more than her character but I mean she's great and the fact that I can revisit those episodes now it just sheds like a whole new light on them and like I said earlier the the beginning of her friendship with Barris in the landing at Point Rain episodes is like, oh my God, it just hurts so much at the end when you rewatch it, all of it together. Ugh. I mean, it, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it hurts a lot. But like the Barris thing, her line at the end of the, of this set of episodes is that the Jedi have turned into an army fighting for the dark side. And she's mm. so right, you know, and they're in the trial room and Palpatine is the one overseeing this trial and hears her say these things. And he says, you know, like, take her away or escort her away or something like that. And I just, man, I hate so that deep. guy. <laughs> I hate that guy yeah. so much. But I think what was cool, not cool, but again, this is something that I found myself thinking about when I was watching it this time and in the last episode in particular is one I think that I think the tension throughout all these episodes is really good. I know this set of episodes got some flack for being like a Hitchcock knockoff, but I really enjoyed that piece of it. I know it's not everyone's favorite thing, but I really like it. But, you know, Padme is the one representing Ahsoka in her trial and Anakin is out there trying to find the real person who did it. And an aside that we've kind of touched on in some of the other episodes we've talked about is like Padawans and apprentices abandoned by their masters. And we see this with like Anakin and Maul and Ventress and Obi-Wan to a certain degree when um, Qui-Gon Jinn is killed too. I think it's a it's an interesting running theme. It's just like a little aside. But the tension between the trial and Anakin talking to Ventress and then talking to Barris, I think is really well done. But I found it really um Really fascinating that Padme's defense for Ahsoka, like within the the Senate, within the Republic, was that it was a Jedi who did this, but it wasn't this Jedi. And I like the I don't know, just the the perception of that of like because the Jedi are supposed to be this like really upstanding group of people. And the whole like her whole defense is that, well, it was a Jedi, it just wasn't this Jedi. And kind of like breaking again, it's like breaking down the reputation of the Jedi more and more. It's like, oh, so we're just like picking between Jedi now of who's the worst Jedi. I don't know. I found it really interesting. And then Anakin like storms in and he too is like, You've got the wrong Jedi. It's this Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> when really it's Palpatine. Yep. Anyway. You guys know that we love these episodes. They're very sad. Go. Well, it's, yeah. it's like a masterclass in Clone Wars episodes. And I think mm-hmm. that it's – I'm so happy that Dave was able to tell the story at the end, really, 
because I think a lot about if the Clone Wars was canceled and this story wasn't able to be told, how Star Wars would be so different today, and mm. it would be very different. Yeah. And I've never thought about I, that before. That's kind of crazy to consider. Yeah, it's it's like I I remember when the Clone Wars was canceled and it was like, oh my god, how could how could they cancel it? Like there's so much left to do. And I I agreed at the time that there was a lot to wrap up and we were getting so close to the Revenge of the Sith that could we please like finish it? Oh my god, we need to finish it, you know? Um but I remember being really thankful that we got this end point to Ahsoka's story that you know, you even said this in the beginning of, of the episode, Savannah, that your friend was like always emotionally distraught about Ahsoka's oh my ending. God. She would email me like five times a day with like, oh my God, well, what if this happened? And what if this happened? And it, she was so, 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 so invested in it. And it, and she actually kind of fell out of Star Wars fandom about halfway through the Clone Wars. So she never even saw how Ahsoka's story continued. Oh my God. Uh, which is Whoa. crazy, yeah. But this like consumed her, and I honestly think that's why she had to kind of like cut ties, which is something we clearly can't do. We let it consume us. <laughs> yes. Uh, wait, where but- is she now? Did she? <laughs> what happened? Did she? Did she, did she know that Ahsoka's okay? You- <laughs> I mean, I think I think I did. We unfortunately we just kind of like lost touch. There was not really any bad falling out. We she just moved, mm-hmm. and you know we lost touch. But I think at one point I did tell her that Ahsoka left the Jedi Order because I was just like, hey, I know you're not into this anymore, but you need to know because you sent me like 789 emails about <laughs> how you thought she was gonna die, and hey, she's alive, you know, so. It's it's so weird to think about that today. Wow. It really destroyed her because she just couldn't stop thinking about it and she loved this character so much. She was just like, I can't I can't keep thinking about this. So I honestly sad. relate to that a lot. Yeah. yeah. But like it's like I so think, impressive she was able to step back. Same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think was shocked. I was under the impression that Ahsoka was going to die mm-hmm. and that it was going to be because of like for Anakin's basically Anakin's pain Mm -hmm. and to further his journey to the dark side. Um, I think that most everyone thought that, right? Like it just was, (laughs) it was just like the kind of the easiest explanation, but of course it's a joy that it doesn't have to be that easy of an explanation that this, Mm -hmm this is could be a way different way to hurt Anakin while also uh, maintaining Ahsoka's own agency. Um, in fact, her, it was like such a way more meaningful sacrifice, I think in the end. Yeah. I, I just had this thought. I wonder if I didn't really allow myself to be connected to Ahsoka because in my head the whole time I just assumed she was going to get killed off. Mm. That's I don't interesting. Know. I don't know if that was a reason, but now I'm just thinking about it. I was like, hmm, I wonder if that could be like part of it. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's like, I think some people definitely felt that way. So that would make sense. It was like, why care when it was, when she's not in the movies? So like, what right. even happens to her? We're destined for sadness. Yeah. <laughs> I can't stop I thinking about down. your friend. And like, if yeah. she, has she seen World Between Worlds? Has she seen no. Vader versus Ahsoka? No, My God. she hasn't seen any of that. And mm-hmm. it's, it's crazy. I definitely need to like call her up soon and be like, hey, um, we need to go back to our childhood and talk about what happened. <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy too. She had like all the Ahsoka toys and I mean, there were very few at the time, but she had Ahsoka's um 
ship and like all the action figures we made we used to make little outfits for her ahsoka action figure because we were like oh she's not modest enough and we we made ahsoka like a little poncho oh my god Uh, (laughs) it was so intense um which is yeah it's crazy that she definitely like separated herself from star wars in general just because she was so obsessive over this one character which is i don't know so bizarre Wow. Well, I hope you call her and tell her, like, yeah, send her a compilation yeah. video. Maybe now yeah. is like okay to return back because she has like all the pieces or most of the pieces. Yeah. I just needed like, well, I'm sure she's seen the rise of Skywalker. So maybe I need to touch base with her and be like, hey, did you recognize that voice? Maybe that's how I should reach out to her because I know she keeps up with the movies. Um, and I wonder if she even caught who that was she may not have even realized it you know totally dang this is wow, crazy please to think keep about <laughs> i will i will <laughs> okay charlotte what is your number one pick okay no one's gonna be surprised about this i feel like mine are like really not that surprising <laughs> everyone else's is super good and cool and different and mine is you know what my number one is it's mortis yeah <laughs> yeah i just it and we've spoken at length about Mortis. We have a whole episode about it. We've re- referenced it hundreds of times. So I don't think it's worth spending that much time on it here. But Mortis definitely redefined the way that I think about the Force. And um, I still am in shock that a story like this over three episodes exists within Star Wars. And it is so good (laughs) and it's just so weird and wonderful and again redefines the way that we think about good and evil the dark side the light side it expands it beyond what like it's it's just really interesting to even think about it because now now we have we have the living force and the cosmic force which are concepts basically introduced or expanded upon in the clone wars and we have an expansion. Now we have characters like um, the Bendu and this idea of the Ashla and the Bogan and um, basically new terms for the dark side and the light side that have come up throughout Star Wars canon. But that was after Mortis. Mortis kind of blew the whole thing wide open and made you think that it's not just like the Jedi and the Sith. It is this whole idea of like this embodiment or this... Uh, Mortis is like an, an embodiment, a a a real understanding of what the balance of the Force actually means and what does it mean for Anakin. And I think that there's so many different character dynamics that are explored in um, in the Mortis trilogy that it is such a delight for me to return to. It's definitely the, the episodes I have returned to so often because I'm continuously confounded by them, enlightened, and um, impressed, really. To the shock of no one. <laughs> no one. No one is shocked. It's <laughs> so good, though. You had to pick that. Yeah. If I didn't pick it, it would be weird. Yeah, I think so. If, it, if none of us had picked Mortis, that would have been so wrong. Mm-hmm. It would have been really, really wrong. And uh, a confession is that Charlotte and I talked about who would get to pick Mortis before Whoa. this. Oh my god. It's <laughs> true. Not surprised when, though. 
like we both knew that one of like we would both pick it and we couldn't have duplicates. <laughs> That's so. good that you had that conversation because I was wondering if any of us would have picked the same episode and none of us did. Yeah. I feel bad that we planned it a little bit for the Mortis okay. one, but we had to. <laughs> though, yeah. Yeah. I don't think I can really add anything else that you haven't already said, Charlotte, because the I will just say that the fact that we're still talking about these episodes, you know, however many years down the line, just again speaks to how crazy they were. And like you said, it it totally just redefined how we think about the force and what it can actually do that it it's basically limitless and yes yes to mortis yes to mortis (laughs) okay savannah what is your number one yeah so to the shock of no one um as a huge fan of the clones i picked the umbara arc because this was uh, the most amount of pain I've ever been in watching any <laughs> Clone Wars episode. Um, I remember sitting, I, I vividly remember every week watching these episodes and feeling so conflicted at the end of that episode about what had just happened. Because I actually liked Krell at the beginning. I thought he was really cool. And then as his character started to show his true colors, I was like, whoa, wait, oh my God, this is so bad. Like, what is happening? And I I specifically remember um the moment when the clones when the clones realized that they were fighting each other and I was literally distraught. I was like so sad. And then when you see Waxer and they take off his helmet and he is also realizing what happens and you see his like single tear roll down his cheek before he dies. Oh my God, that messed me up so much. And I'm so scared for the season that is about to start because I know that type of pain is going to be rampant in the new season when we see Order 66 happen. And oh my God, it's just going to be so sad. But this episode or this set of episodes was just really eye-opening to how absolutely in the dark the clones were. And we see this later on. I think it's in season six when um, I believe it's Tup. He is like, you know, good soldiers always follow orders and he just goes crazy. So they're starting to realize what's going on with them. And this episode or the set of episodes and the arc where fives starts to realize what's going on. It's just like so sad. And I feel so much sympathy for these people because they are people, you know, they're soldiers, but they're living, breathing humans. And it's just so heartbreaking to see what happened to them. And the fact that they were tricked by a, you know, faux Jedi is like the worst part um, it's just real sad, basically. <laughs> That's all I have to say. Um, and I don't I don't rewatch these very often because they do make me so sad. But when I think of the Clone Wars, this is the very first thing that I think of because this really impacted me and it was 
absolutely shocking to me. And there were a lot of other things in the Clone Wars that were shocking to me. Like I was shocked that Ahsoka chose to leave the Order. I was shocked that Barriss, you know, betrayed her. But this was like the biggest surprise to me. And it it just hurt so much. But yeah, (laughs) that's pretty much it. I still can't believe that they went there with this set of episodes. Yeah. I think that that's what's so shocking about them. And you're so right. They are. They're so good and so shocking. It just gets um, so dark, you know, and there really are does. a lot of things in in Clone Wars that gets really dark. And I think we all talk about that. We all acknowledge how dark it gets. But, man, this was like the worst for me. It was just so heavy. Yeah, I actually haven't watched this arc in a really long time, but I think I need to. But I know that I don't want to because it will hurt. <laughs> but like this the way that you're describing it, because, you know, we like you said, we do talk a lot about how dark the Clone Wars is, but I think this is this is kind of some of the darkest that it really ever gets. And the fact that it's not even focusing on our, like, quote unquote, main characters is just, ah, oh, man, like it cuts deep and you just you feel so much in it. Like even the fact that I haven't watched it in so long and I remember the things that you're talking about and how gut-wrenching it was and like how unfair it feels too. Like it just feels so unjust. And I think that just adds to to like the horror of that whole arc, I think. There was a lot of sacrifice as well. Like Hard Case sacrificed himself and he, you know, he was a named clone we knew who he was and it i don't feel like his individual name and the fact that he sacrificed himself was the biggest deal but the fact that someone had to for the greater good was just awful and they knew that was going to happen but krell is such a an interesting character that they decided to introduce and it's so funny to me that i actually liked him in the beginning to see what he turned into is just like whoa I can't believe I actually liked this guy at first. Um, But it's funny because I know Brian and I talked about this recently on our podcast. Brian hated Krell from the beginning. And I was like, oh, no way. Like, I assumed everyone liked him. Um, And then you, you know, realized who he is and what he's doing. And then you you start to have a distaste for him. But Brian definitely didn't like Krell from the beginning. And I thought that was really interesting. Um, But it's just such a good group of episodes. I am trying to remember if I liked him or not. I think I generally did because I thought he was like a different type of Jedi and I always like that. But um, yeah, when things turn, yeah, gets, I, gets real dark. <laughs> I think I thought he was going to be kind of this other version of Anakin who's or kind like of – Quinlan Voss. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Who Who's still getting things done but, you know, doing it with his own style and – very wrong, unfortunately, <laughs> and <Yes>. sadly. <laughs> that was a yeah. good pick. That was a good pick, uh, Savannah. I know that Cheryl and I definitely wouldn't have ever picked that arc, but you're so right. Like The things you bring up in it are so good, and I feel like we need to, one, rewatch it very soon, or I do because I haven't, and give it some more time on the show because it is a really good series of episodes. Mm-hmm. There are, there are some callbacks, too, in, in this arc that go back to the original trilogy. So we were saying in the 
Zygerian arc, there's like a clear Return of the Jedi callback. And in this one, we have a callback to A New Hope when Han is like, it's fine. Everything's fine. We're all fine here because Fives does that over the comm system. And I really <laughs> like that. I mean, Fives is like, Fives is my favorite uh, clone in the Clone Wars because of the development he had and how much his character changed over the story and then also you guys know that Han Solo is like my main man so the fact that those two characters had like the similar line made me really happy <laughs> love that it's a good, a good note in a very sad group of episodes <laughs> <laughs> I think that that episode or that arc is highlighted often as one of the top I think we we like kind of really hit all the heavy hitters in our episode choices except like we had some we had some surprising ones along the way for sure but i do think that we you know presented a nice buffet of like amazing clone wars arts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 we definitely did and we are going to have um in the show notes and on our website too a list of all of the episodes that we all picked today as long along with their you know like what episodes specifically that they are, not just the Ahsoka arc, because <laughs> that could be a couple different ones. But uh, if you do want to select from our buffet, uh, that will be available <laughs> to you if you're so interested. I just remembered something real quick, too, because you guys are really into fan vids. And uh-huh. to be honest, I'm not like the biggest fan vid person, but I do have a fan vid for the Umbara arc that I'm going to send you guys the link to. So if you want to put it in the show notes, you Oh, can. yeah, we'll put it in the show notes. Oh, yes. Okay, good. Yeah, it's like yeah. my <laughs> all-time favorite fan vid. It is super emo, super sad, oh my God. super like Tumblr emo. Like it's really, really sad. That's right on my alley. Oh, I'm okay, very good. ready. I'm very ready. It's a very good fan vid. Um, and I used to watch it on repeat and just like cry which is really embarrassing but it's very good and I just had to mention that because I knew you guys were really into fan vids yeah I don't think I've ever watched a clone fan vid so you will ball (laughs) I'm ready I'm ready that's like one of my favorite fan vids is an Anakin and Ahsoka one called um you're you're a memory you're nothing but a memory or something like that you are a memory you are a memory yeah and it tracks Charlotte knows because I've made her watch it like 47 times with me and I think I posted on Twitter at least three times a year yeah, you do. <laughs> it's just it's so good like that's the one that makes me cry <laughs> but it tracks with Anakin and Ahsoka throughout Rebels and everything mm, man it hurts I'm very ready to watch the clone one the Umbara one because like I said I've never watched a clone one before so I know the power of fan beds. It's really good. <laughs> the pain yeah. they bring. Yeah, yeah. The, the pain. The sheer. That's probably why I get so sad when I think about the arc, honestly, is because I think of this fan video and I'm just like, whoa. This is this is relatable, oh. though, Savannah. This is how we feel, too. Yeah. yeah, that's why I had to bring it up. I knew you guys would understand. Oh, yeah. yeah. We do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally here for the fan vid recommendations. <laughs> Okay, friends, I think that might be the end of our journey. Have we left out any important Clone Wars episodes that need to be included on our buffet table? I'm sure we have because there's mm-hmm. so many good ones. Yeah, yeah. I I have one more thing that I wanted to mention, and this was kind of vying for my honorary mention, but I just have to say Ventress in the Clone Wars and her point A to point Z and how mm. much her character changes is like – top three highlights of the Clone Wars for me and I had a hard time not picking any of her episodes to go in my top choices but I just had to say that 
her character is so incredibly good and especially the episode when she realizes that she's being betrayed by Dooku is like really intense um and she is worthy of mentioning so I had to put that in there oh yes yeah Ventress Ventress is very good I don't I it was like I went from not really caring to suddenly I was like wow I would do a lot of things for Ventress to have more screen time. Like I would pay a lot of money to see her more on screen. <laughs> and I don't even I can't even tell you when or how that happened. It was just like one day I didn't care and suddenly I cared very very much. <laughs> yeah. It's it I feel like really when you start to feel sympathy for her and you realize that she's just been tossed out by everyone. It's similar to what we were saying about Maul. Mhm. Their stories are very similar. Yeah. Have you read Dark Disciple? Santa? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, I have. Okay. I thought you had. I just couldn't remember. But yeah. Okay, good. I had, to, I, I had to know what happened with her. And you guys know, like, I don't read a ton. So the fact that I did read that one all the way through is a big deal. Um, But I, I had to because I wanted to know what happened with her. And I knew that we wouldn't get those episodes ever, which is such, such an unfortunate loss. I wish we could still get that story in, like, animated form. But me too. I'm glad that we we at least got it as a book. Um, and I don't want to spoil it because I do feel like a lot of people still haven't read it. But yeah. it's it's really worth reading if you feel any sort of, uh, you know, emotion for Ventress's character in The Clone Wars. Yeah, completely agree. If you haven't read Dark Disciple, I feel like it's been a while since we've talked about it on the show. But it is definitely... I always forget to put it, it it should be in my top five, honestly, for Star Wars books. It it's it's really good and it has been a while since we've talked about it. But yes, take Samantha's recommendation, take ours, read Dark Disciple if you haven't, and then come back and let us know what you thought. <laughs> um but I think that is gonna wrap up this episode of our pre-Clone Wars Clone Wars episodes. So we'll have one more coming for you and then It'll be time for Clone Wars. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Season seven. <laughs> Somehow, some way. Um, we are very excited and uh, we want to give a big thank you to Savannah for coming back on Sky Talkers. We are so, so excited to have you back on. And so before we sign off, can you just let everyone know what you're up to, where they can find you, where they can listen to you, subscribe, read, follow, all of that good stuff. (laughs) Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me back on. When you guys asked me if I wanted to be on a Clone Wars episode, I was like, "Uh, yes, like, why are you even asking? This is 100% going to happen. So thanks for having me on. Um, (laughs) If you want to follow me online, I am at the Dorky Diva on all social media. My website is thedorkydiva.com and that's where you can also find my podcast with Brian called The Dorky Diva Show. We have a very irregular schedule. We are not as organized as Sky Talkers. So uh, we try to upload episodes as often as we can, which is about once or twice a month. Um, I have a new podcast launching on March 1st and you can find out more about that on thedorkydiva.com very soon. Um, I think that's pretty much it. Well, thank you again so much for coming on. Everyone should go and follow Savannah. She is doing 
amazing stuff in a lot of different ways too, different platforms, different things you're focusing on. It's just like we said at the top of the show, we're constantly motivated and inspired by you. (laughs) So uh, everyone should definitely go and follow her. And thank you again for taking time out of your schedule to be on Sky Talkers. We're really glad that you are. I know we'll be seeing you in our group text message (laughs) literally (laughs) right after we sign off. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, if you want to find the Sky Talkers anywhere, you can find us online. We're most active on Twitter where you can find us at Sky Talkers Pod. My personal handle is at Caitlin Plusher and Charlotte's is at Clarity. We also have our website, skytalkers.com, Instagram, Facebook. You can email us. Uh, If you haven't left us a review on iTunes, please go do that. It makes us really happy and we would love it a whole lot if you did. And if you're interested in supporting us in other ways, you can also head on over to our Patreon and check out some of our reward tiers there if you'd like. And I want to say a huge shout out to these awesome patrons. Fiorella, Marty, Spencer, Jenna, Jessica, Mike, Thomas, Bridget, Shelbo, James, Kate, Joey, and Jason. Thank you so much for supporting us. Your support means the world. Yes, thank you guys so much. And until next time, may the force be with you. May the force be with you. Sky Talkers is a member of the Star Wars Escape Pods Network. Explore more great content and get to know our sister shows at WeAreEscapePods.com and on Twitter at WeAreEscapePods. The Star Wars Escape Pods Network, promoting positivity in fandom.